Okay. Hello everyone! Welcome to My Sister Made Me View at the 1999 Roswell Edition. I have my co-host here with me, Megan. And we are out of Roswell we episodes. We are out of them! We're in season two and our buffer is completely gone. It's at zero. So we are together in the same day in the same place to make this as most efficient as humanly possible. And we're going to just... Wham, bam, slam, get a few done this weekend so we can build it, build it back up. So, yes. So, today's episode is Roswell Season 2, Episode 6, Harvest. And an important update, I like this show again. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to hear that, Megan. This one was, it. Season 2 is delivering on some really great sci-fi stories and in this episode we end up in a town full of aliens that want to kill us and it was creepy and uh, the funeral scene at the end was especially good and I enjoyed it there was a little bit of pacing in like the last five minutes where Max just holds up a green You're wall giving for everything too long. away Listen, our audience has seen the episode before they've listened to us right you guys <laughs> because who on earth would undertake a podcast about a show they haven't seen I might if the hosts were entertaining enough. The joke is, Emily, is that <laughs> is that you did that. Okay. <laughs> I did. Uh, Emily had a migraine yesterday, so she's not operating at full wit capacity. Not even close. But uh, I haven't had caffeine for five days, which means <laughs> that my brain has reached a new level of awareness. <laughs> Season 2, Episode 6. You've heard my initial thoughts on it. Emily, what did you think of this episode? I loved this episode. And I was telling you, Meg, that um, as I we were watching it, I was getting the weirdest deja vu from it. Because, again, I saw this show 20 years ago. But, like, characters would show up and I would just stop and be like, oh my gosh, how did I forget who you were? Um, and so it was. it's kind of a fun, surreal experience for me of just being like... <gasps> Oh, I know you're important, but I can't remember why. It's all coming back. It's all coming back to me now. There were creatures so cold and then green flashes of light. <laughs> oh, well, the very first thing is the previously on Roswell is very long. Like very, very intense. Very intense, very detailed. Like they make sure that you know that if you're starting this episode for the first time, there is a history here. That these skins that are showing up, this isn't the first time we've heard of them. This isn't the first time we've seen them. This isn't the first time we've interacted with them. Hungerswoman Whitaker is back playing her dead self. <laughs> I was I was hoping she would come back or that there would be a skin of her, like, again, like a copy of her. And I mean, maybe technically there was. Sort of. Um, but then she played her own dead body, which was exciting. But anyway, so here's what you guys need to know going into this. It's shirts versus skins, <laughs> and Liz faked making love with Kyle. I had, okay, I don't know why I say I had forgotten. I hadn't forgotten this, but I was surprised that it was such a big story plot point still. Uh -huh. um, because in a lot of TV shows, stuff will happen in one episode, and then it's important for that plot in the moment. Like, you know, future Max encouraging Liz to help present Max fall out of love. Um, but this still keeps popping up. And I love that. I love that this wasn't a one and done because 
Um, this picks up, I want to say, like the day after, the, yeah, the very next day that Liz is kind of trying to find where Max is, but she's telling Maria, don't let Max know that I'm wondering where he is. She wants to make sure he's okay because she has crushed his world. He's, oh, it's so sad. It's it so sad. Very sad. And in a strange parallel story, Michael and Maria are going through kind of the same thing because mm -hmm. he's been going hot and heavy with Courtney. Mm-hmm. And listen, I I know that Maria is upset with Michael for what he did. And I think it's reasonable that she is. But I just found her very grating in this episode. See, I loved her in this episode because she's not letting Michael get away with stuff. Well, that's the thing. It's like, if my boyfriend was cheating on me with someone else, I would just end it. But he wasn't cheating. He was I trying know. to get information. I also hear what you're saying, okay. but yes. So what annoyed me is she stuck with him, but just kept making, like, nasty comments about it the whole episode. Because he hasn't apologized for it. He's no. just pretending it never happened. And she's not going to also pretend that it never happened. All right. I'll, I will say their vibe was a little sour for me this episode. Okay. Um, but Maria's, all of Maria's outfits for me... 100% on on point A++. plus plus. Her, they must have some sort of like lip plumper lip gloss on her. Because her lips are like three sizes They're Bratz day. dolls yeah. size. So. Uh, so I had a lip plumping lip gloss uh, when I was in high school. Did it work? It did. And I'm sad they don't make it anymore. It was called Mother Pucker. <laughs> and you would put it on and it would like sting. It's basically just acid in a lip gloss and it makes your lips swollen. It damages them and swells them because that was... That was the look. Yep. But everyone is kind of on edge because of all the stuff in their personal lives. But they're also trying to come together and figure out what's going on with congresswoman whitaker and courtney because they're both skins and are they connected they have to be because two skins and roswell at the same time that can't be a coincidence but they're just they're not sure um and they're just kind of like also if whitaker's dead uh-huh but all of a sudden now everyone knows she's dead why does everyone know she's dead emily because they've announced it on the news <laughs> Okay, so the, the news anchor said it was in New Mexico. Yeah. And I was like, I'm sorry, what state was that? <laughs> Congresswoman Whitaker of New Mexico was found dead in her hometown, which is a small town in Arizona, right? Mm -hmm. In a single car crash. And so now the whole world knows that the congresswoman is dead. And the aliens are freaking out going, who is covering this up for us? Who knows that she died? Because Liz has been telling everyone that's been calling that the congresswoman has been on vacation because what else are you supposed to do? They're a bunch right? of teenagers. <laughs> what are you supposed to do? Tell them, sorry, we murdered her. <laughs> <laughs> and Isabel, poor Isabel, I think she's really taken being a murderer to heart because she is in all black the entire episode. I would like to point out that Max is also in all black. <laughs> the twins are both going through something really dark and personal right now and I'm imagining them both like getting ready in the morning and morosely seeing each other in the hallway and like saying okay yeah all black you too bad mm -hmm. day all right yeah and so after it's announced on the news the team is still talking it through together and they're trying to decide like 
what to do next. And so, turns out that she got her congresswoman seat because her original husband died. Mm-hmm. Do you think Courtney was telling the truth about a stepson? See, I was. I wanted to bring that up because we remember in a previous episode, she says Congressman Whitaker had pictures of Courtney in her office because uh, Courtney had been involved with the congresswoman's stepson and drugs and things like that. But there's no stepson in this. Right. So I wonder if he was a human. I wonder yeah. if she fell in love with a human, and I don't know. See, my proposal is, as a skin, she stalked, seduced, and then killed this up-and-coming congressman so she could run for his seat. Oh. Uh, and then... That's a good theory. I don't know. Okay, keep an eye out for this stepson who may or may not exist. That may have just been like a huge lie of Courtney's. And so after this congressman died then she started knocking boots with agent pierce because mm-hmm. she wanted info from the fbi about about the aliens aliens and everything which again agent pierce super bad at his job literally dating an alien <laughs> uh something interesting we find out in this episode is that there are different factions yes. among the skins yes. each allying themselves behind one of the different royal four and I wonder when we'll meet Tess's fan club. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, we met the ones that were fans of Valandra. That was who we were with this episode. Yes, everyone in Copper Summit, Arizona. Well, they were... I don't know, because Nicholas didn't seem to like her, but... Nick. Okay, so we are getting so ahead of ourselves. So ahead of ourselves. But Congresswoman Whitaker really seemed to be on Valandra's side. Yes, yes. And... We will find out that Volandra's great love is on the throne of their home planet. Although, I, I still, I'm suspicious of that geologist. He's <laughs> something. How many different kinds of aliens are they? Apparently the skins are from the same planet? Yeah, I was confused, not confused, but I like that we're getting a lot more information and we're able to piece a lot of stuff together. Um, but yeah, we find out that apparently this planet was on the like brink of a golden age and there was a revolution that kind of ruined all of that that a lot of people blame the royal four for but at the same time i'm like if you create a revolution that destroys the golden age can you blame the people that you're revolutionizing against who are (laughs) like i don't know let them eat alien rocks (laughs) yeah Uh, what's the name of the something x the metal cadmium x let them eat cadmium x (laughs) Uh, so, they still have to work with Liz, even though she's shattered Max's heart. But Max is not telling everyone what she did. Mm-mm. Unlike, hey guys, are you ready for another Grey's Anatomy flash? <laughs> so, uh, there are two instances of poor Callie Torres being cheated on by her spouse. And both times. George and Arizona. Yeah. Ugh. Both times. The day after the cheating happens, Callie just casually drops it in the conversation that, oh yeah, even though such and such slept with someone else last night and then just keeps going. And I'm like, bold Callie. And I love <laughs> that you did that to them in front of literally everyone. They deserve it. Awesome. Karma. But it's very interesting that Max just isn't, uh, He just isn't saying anything, because we find out later in the episode he doesn't believe it. Yeah, he doesn't believe that Liz would really do that. Um, 
so they're having to work together and he's he's not being a butt in this scene but he kind of is because um he's kind of saying like well how could this information have been leaked to the public that she was dead unless it came from inside the office Liz, but he doesn't say that. But he intimates it. Yeah, so they're going through all the congresswoman's mail and they find this weird letter. The Universal Friendship League has written to Congresswoman Whitaker saying, Hey, we haven't heard from you. If you want to renew your membership, we need to know by this date. And it mentions something about the Volandra Project. If it was up to me, I would have called it the Universal Friendship Organization. So the initialism would have been UFO. <laughs> I got so excited when they were like, Universal French. I'm like, UF? And then they said League. And I was like, come on. It's a show about aliens. Throw me some alien jokes in here. <laughs> but they realized that the, the date, the cutoff date of the 25th was yesterday, which was when her death supposedly happened. So they are very suspicious of this group. And what it all means. And so they have Liz call because Liz is like, this is the only reason Max is working with Liz at this yeah. point is because she has such a strong tie to Congresswoman Whitaker's office. And so Liz calls into the Universal Friendship League and just says, hey, we got this letter. We're going through the Congresswoman's personal effects because we're so sorry she's died. And they're like, okay, thanks. Bye. Like, that's it. They get no information from this phone call. So they decide they're going to split their team that Michael and Maria are going to stay here to pursue the skins thing with Courtney, even though I don't think Michael has told everybody else about Courtney yet. Right. Um, and then Max, They know she's... I think they know she's missing, that she took off. Right, but I don't think the rest of the aliens... I don't think he's told them that she's a skin. Okay. Um, and so Max, Isabel... Tess and Liz take the Jeep to Arizona and they take the 70, even though later we find out they, no, they take the 10, even though later we find out they probably should have taken the 70. And everyone <laughs> in the Jeep is like lost in their thoughts. Isabel's having significant flashbacks to Whitaker telling her her name was Volandra, which parallels with the Volandra project that the skins are working on. And now, Emily, do you think the Volandra project? is part of the harvest. Like, is the harvest part of it? I, okay, I'm going to initially say yes with the caveat that I don't really remember what happens, just that I remember as we're watching each episode. <laughs> um, I think that they are on Volandra's side because people in the town aren't super happy or thrilled to see Max, we find out later. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think all the skins in Copper Summit County are Valandra fans. They're on Team Valandra. All right. Because she... Oh, because Congresswoman Whitaker tells us Valandra allied with the Skins and betrayed everyone to put... Kivan. Kivan. Kivar? <laughs> New, New Mexico. <laughs> Whatever. To put, to put her great love on the throne instead of her brother Max. Mm hmm and then uh, Isabel drifts off to sleep with these thoughts still ringing in her head. And Max is staying up. He's staying awake. And Liz is like, you know, Max, you can get some sleep. I'm okay driving because they're taking turns driving. And he just dead eye stares ahead and goes, I haven't slept since I saw you and Kyle together. And it's like, okay, man, relax. So we'll get into this later in the episode. 
But I was always the biggest Max fan. He was uh, always my favorite. Favorite, favorite, favorite. Like, it was Liz and Max forever. But in this episode, I'm like, listen, I understand your butt hurt. But dude. Okay. He makes it a lot about himself. I mean, and it's true because Liz did what would hurt him the most specifically. Yeah. I understand why he's upset. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, the way they phrased it was a little weird. Mm Mm-hmm. That he was like, oh, you didn't do it. We'll have to wait for the dialogue in that scene. But it was very much, he was like, I can't believe you did this to me. Not that I can't believe you slept with Kyle. But it's like, I can't believe that you hurt me like this. That's not the lens I know. And she brings up, I'm not perfect. You can't keep me on a pedestal. I loved that. Uh, And I make a mistake. I made a mistake. And I slept with Kyle. And first I was like... No, 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 don't tell him it's a mistake. He'll think, he'll think there's a way back if you say it's just a mistake. But um, if I was her, I would have been like, I would have, okay, you know in Twilight? Yes. (laughs) Do you know exactly exactly what I'm talking about? In the first book, when Bella is leaving uh, because they're on the run from the bad vampire James, Mm -hmm. and she has to convince her father not to follow her. She says what she knows will hurt him most. And, like, she hits him about her mother and, like, mom felt trapped here and I don't want to be trapped here, too. And that emotionally hurts Charlie so much it freezes him in place. And I would have, and I know this is difficult for Liz, but I would have been, like, I want to be with a human. And I've known Kyle my whole life. And he's not dangerous. He's safe. And I wanted to feel safe. And I don't feel safe with you, Max. Yeah. Because then maybe he would have gotten up off her back about it. It's true. Um, but we'll get to that later because I have more things I want to say about that specific scene too. But um, Stay tuned, listeners. <laughs> so Michael and Maria break into Courtney's apartment. Um, and at first I thought it was a little weird because Maria is so giggly and silly about this. But I think she's still riding the high about being right about Courtney. And it's just yeah. like, I knew it and I am just like living in my vindication right now. Like I just love it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although I was cheering. I'm like, you were so good at this in season one. You were so good at this in season one. They did it like a little bit of retcon on Maria because when they were searching the hotel room, she's like, we found clues and you have to look in the trash and you have to do this here and you have to do this here. And it's like this time she forgot that she was an amazing girl, uh, investigative reporter girl. (laughs) (laughs) Nosy girl reporter. Nosy girl reporter. That's Maria. But she does discover something that is horrifying. Courtney listens to the Backstreet Boys. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she discovers three horrifying things. One, Courtney's taste in music. Two, an actual piece of Courtney's skin. skin. Three, a Michael Guerin shrine. Yeah. Like, like a creepy shrine. Not just pictures everywhere, but like hearts and like the t-shirt that he lost at work. <sighs> And like later, Courtney says, she's like, oh, I'm not into you romantically. And I'm like, ma'am, his face was in a heart frame and you have glittery hearts all over this display. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't just political fangirl. Like, yeah. plus you definitely made out with him. So listen, methinks the lady doth protest too much. <laughs> uh, Maria screams when she sees this. I don't think I would have screamed. I think I would have. I think this is what would have made me laugh. To been like, oh, my gosh. She is off the deep end. (laughs) 
So Michael says, all of these pictures were taken at the apartment across the street from me. And I'm like, how can he tell? And Emily says, because of the angle. And I would say to you, Emily, with it zoomed in that close on his face, I don't think he could gauge the angle. Telephoto lenses are a thing. Right, and it compresses the space. Like, listen, I know the art department just had like a week to put all of these photos together and he had to actually have a photo shoot for this to make sense. The camera that's taking the photo of the photos that he's in, they're just in a room with him and someone's just taking pictures with him because the art department has to generate it. I would have done a little bit more with like the the frame of the window or like maybe a specific kind of embellishment mm -hmm. that they catch over the corner and he's like, oh, oh that is the same sort of, what do you call it in architecture where there's a little fancy piece on Motif? the window frame? Nope, that's English. <laughs> it's not filigree. Whatever, that he would have recognized the architecture on the windows across the street mm -hmm. instead of just dividing it from the angle. Yeah. But in the meantime, uh, the rest of our teens make it to Copper Summit, Arizona. The Jeep has arrived and they're trying to get information from the local and they almost get in, they almost, almost kind of pretend like they fit in until they ask about some clarifying questions. Because he's like, oh, you're in town for the harvest. And they're they should like, have just said yes. And they're like, the harvest? And immediately this local's face is just like, yeah, you should leave town. Like, there's nothing here. We're all closed this week or whatever. And, and yeah. And so he, he does send them to the place that they ask. Because they're like, oh, no, we've been invited for this thing. And he obviously knows yeah. something's up. So he phones ahead to tell them. Well, it's okay. So Copper Summit is like this old western town with like one main road and a bunch of like museums filled with creepy mannequins. mannequins. I kept waiting for a mannequin to move. Me too. Like, it's not that kind of show. This isn't supernatural or anything like that. But I was just waiting... Oh, there's a dog. <laughs> That's your dog. His name is Copper, no, and he lives here. <laughs> okay. I agree with you about the mannequins. I thought they were going to hold more significance. Because I thought the harvest was... This is a very supernatural thing. I thought the harvest was going to be capturing tourists that come to the town mm. and taking them over Invasion of the Body Snatcher style. Got it. And we find out later that's not how the husks work. Mm -hmm. it, the, it doesn't count like that. But I mean, come on, empty, a tourist trap town that's empty. and A like, literal tourist trap? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Locals talking about the harvest. <laughs> and I, I think they could have gone darker with this episode than they did. Mm -hmm. Um... The, yeah, the, the mannequins were just sort of creepy window dressing instead of helping. Except there is one skin that is an actual mannequin and the rest are all actors standing in their pods because Courtney acts in the scene with all the mm -hmm. spoilers, husks in casks. And so her husk had to be a mannequin. a mannequin, but they got everybody else to just stand in their places. Yeah. So this next scene... I found really interesting um, because I, so they, they've arrived at the Friendship League place and Isabel and Max are going up to talk to the, the person uh, leaving Tess and Liz together alone. And I just, I thought of this episode from Tess's point of view because she starts out the conversation saying, oh, you and Kyle, huh? 
And Liz remembers that Kyle was like, oh, me and Tess are starting to get together. And I'm like, from Tess's point of view, Liz is the absolute worst. She has taken Max from Tess. She has now taken Kyle from Tess. Um, and so I'm just like, if I was Tess, I would absolutely hate Liz's guts. Absolutely. The thing is, if Tess was Maria, that would be the case. Mm -hmm. Because Maria is human and this has a huge significance but from the way the girls played it i don't think tess is upset about this no i don't think so either um but like still just we see the whole show from liz's point of view and how <sighs> tess is really the bad guy yeah but if you take a minute and step back and like put yourself in someone else's shoes poor tess <laughs> right because she's destined to be with max and liz has ensnared him with her human pheromones mm -hmm. uh and then uh as soon as tess starts to be okay with being with kyle liz seems to like change her mind and take kyle back mm -hmm. could you imagine how hilarious it would be they have this conversation in the car about and and tess really is upset about liz taking kyle mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden there's a bam 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 on the window and they look up and future max is there <laughs> Because the whole point of Future Max is that we lost because we were mean to Tess and she left. And that Liz, doing this to get rid of Max, turns out to shove <laughs> Tess away even more quickly. I, listen, I want Future Max to be recurring. He showed up in the previously on and I got really excited. Um, that would have been a hilarious running joke. A hilarious, like, like she'll look up and he's just in the background like... I have to talk to you. Like, he doesn't know he's already been there before. And she's like, ugh, not again. <laughs> okay, that's even funnier. Because I was thinking it's the same instance that he fades out of existence. But then it's like he wakes up again. He says, ah, oh, no. <laughs> but if you're like, he keeps showing up from the future every time Liz and Max are about to fall back in love. That mm -hmm. would have been, that would have been great. That would have been really funny. So, Mr. Greer, like, shuts them out right away. Although... Uh, Isabel tries to say, what's the Valandra project? Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, I don't know anything about that. So, uh, it's very, they do a great job with the mood and like in the creepiness. Yeah. Because they're like, what's the friendship league? He's like, it's a private organization with private membership. Like talking around the whole thing. It really does seem like a cult. Like it really does seem like yeah. this is a cult and we can't tell you what it's about until you've joined and it's too late to get out. Yeah. Um, and so the teens decide that their next stop is going to be Congresswoman Whitaker's house. Yeah. And they did some great double fake outs in this episode because you're like, oh my gosh, are her parents also aliens? And then we'll eventually find out that she was adopted. So it's like, okay, she's like us, that you know. But then, no, 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 double plot twist. Everybody in this town is an alien. Yeah. Um, this is meant to be creepy and everything, you know, because this just little tiny town sort of a thing. But, like, I was getting very, like, Idaho vibes from it. Maybe I won't put that in there. But, well, like, well, that's, okay, our mom is from a smaller town in Idaho. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's bigger. Like, it's much bigger now than it was when we were kids. Mm -hmm. But I can see where, like, this is sort of the same kind of feel where everyone in that town knows each other. Mm -hmm. And, like, whenever we would go visit, we would only be, like, 
this weird way to say it. We were known by our associations. People would be like, oh, I don't recognize you. And we'd say, oh, we're such and such's daughter. Uh, and they'd be like, oh, you're from the such and such family. And so it's that sort of feeling where these kids are complete strangers until Liz speaks up and it's like, oh, we knew Jody really well. And then um, her mom, like, welcomes them in. Yeah, mom and dad of Congresswoman are like, I cannot believe you came here all this way to give us some of our daughter's personal effects. Um, and she, like, immediately adopts them as one of her own. And she's like, you're going to stay here and I'm going to feed you and tell some stories about the Congresswoman and everything. But, yeah, like, everyone growing up, everyone knew who our, like, extended family was and so yeah, yeah I, I was just like oh yeah this isn't weird at all even though like it was made to be weird but yeah having been a part of that I'm like that's not weird that's how people are in some places yeah. there's a lot of awkward sitting inside the house um as they're just waiting for dinner to be made and they're kind of staring face to face with congresswoman Whitaker's dad uh who makes a weird passing comment weird. at Max being like I guess you're the man in charge and I'm like he knows he knows so, yeah. And Max doesn't say anything. He just kind of gives a weird, like, <laughs> and I'm like, that is authentic. That is 100% what would happen. So, yeah. So, that's foreshadowing that he already knows who Max is as part of the royal four. But anyway, Isabel starts making creepy, creepy eye contact. I, listen, you were weirded out by it. I wasn't. I didn't see it like that. I was weirded out that, okay, with Congresswoman Whitaker's younger brother mm -hmm. that the camera just kept switching back between the two of them and getting closer and closer and closer every time. That was a little creepy. Thank you. You're welcome. But yeah, this kid shows up, young kid, standing in the doorway and we're... By young kid, he's a teenager. He's a high yeah. schooler like them. Yeah. Um, but he just seems a lot younger than them. I think because he's so short. That might be it. You are just like all the other females of our species <laughs> who turned him down. Plot twist. Later we'll find out this guy was like a huge ladies man on his old planet. And now he's in a body that females don't find attractive. And he's decided to hate all women because they dislike his young tiny teenage body and I'm like okay did we need an incel side plot <laughs> it was weird that he's now like I hate all women because they think I'm ugly and I'm like have you considered it your personality <laughs> but yeah there's some connection going on between him and Isabel like they keep having meaningful glances but um you know everyone's kind of sitting around and and they're like, well, we'll just get a hotel. And they're like, no, no, stay. Stay here and we'll all go to the memorial service together. Like, they're being very hospitable. Um, which there are people in the world like this. Like, I was on a road trip. You were with me on this road trip. And it was when we went to see Terry Pratchett. Yeah. And we were going to be driving from Utah to Colorado and back. And instead of paying money to stay at a hotel, mm -hmm. mom called around and found like the friend of a relative of a relative for us to stay with. They didn't know who we were, but they just let us come stay at their house. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And I stayed up till four o'clock in the morning reading, I shall wear midnight and weeping. <laughs> <laughs> a great, a great vacation. Oh, <laughs> uh, so while we're having awkward eye contact uh, in Arizona, Michael and Maria are now sitting in his apartment watching the apartment that Courtney's watching them from. And I'm like, you know that that is 
where she can see you the most clearly. Do you really think staring at that window with binoculars is being undercover? It must be rainy season in Roswell because it's raining that night again. Texture on the windows. <laughs> and in Arizona, all the streets are wet. Texture lighting. Here's my theory for why everything was, the streets were all wet in uh -huh. uh, Arizona is because we find out they have like these pods or whatever like these tubes where all the husks are and and it's very moist inside the tube so i'm wondering if that's just condensation from the machinery that's just like runs down the street constantly that's such a great and wonderful convoluted excuse thank you i don't think there's an in-universe <laughs> explanation for it because this show's lighting design features wet streets a lot mm-hmm mm -hmm. um anyway courtney of course sees them spying on her and comes over to confront them and then breaks into Michael's apartment because turnabout's fair play. Yeah. Uh, it is quickly revealed, like we mentioned earlier, she is a huge fan, politically, she claims, of who Michael was before. Mm -hmm. And it brings up again this idea that if he had been the one in charge, we wouldn't be in this mess. Mm -hmm. And she... Is like, please don't let history repeat itself. And I said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Because there's so much history. History is bound to repeat itself, just statistically. Well, what's interesting is that it... What's interesting is that it's an opposite to what Congresswoman Whitaker said. Because when she was talking to Isabel, she said history always repeats itself. And that was so important, they put it in this week's Previously On. Mm -hmm. And Courtney's like... Please don't let history repeat itself. So, here we go. Yeah. Uh, but she lets slip that, basically by pretending so hard that she doesn't know what Copper Summit is, she ends up telling them what Copper Summit is. Mm -hmm. And she says, let's just say there aren't any Michael worshippers in Copper Summit. Because they're all Valandra people. Yep. But, um, Tess is starting to remember. She finds a picture. I thought this was a great like take that they 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 did because she picks up a picture of the congresswoman and she starts having memories of that night where she was trapped in the factory and Isabel came to save her because this is where the congresswoman like revealed everything. But Tess was so out of it that you know, she obviously hasn't caught on to anything that the congresswoman revealed to Isabel. But she was, she's starting to have memories of conversations that, between the congresswoman and Isabel. So I thought that was a great little thing about like, oh, someone, because the whole time, you know, Max is like, well, asking, you know, Isabel, well, do you know what Volandra means? And she's like, absolutely no, I don't. I think Tess is going to eventually like remember and be yeah. like, okay, Isabel, what's going on? All right, listeners, come with us. We are going to get into probably a longer discussion than we thought about Liz and Max talking about what Liz did last episode. She's out taking a walk to clear her head, and Max is like, hey, we said none of us should be alone, which means he's been watching her, and, you know. Um, but, yeah, this whole, this whole thing really put a bad taste of Max in my mouth just because he's... He's just telling her, like, I don't believe that what you did was real. You would not have done this to me. How could you do this to me? All of these, like, we've never lied. We've never kept a secret from each other. We've never done anything about, you know. And, and he's 
basically just mean like, Liz, I know something's going on. And Liz as a person has grown as a liar. Yes, she I love has. this. But hilariously, Max is right. And so like I get where he's coming from there. Mm-hmm. But he's just so butthurt about it. And I know that Liz had to do this to get rid of him. It's sad. However, for some reason, I don't feel bad for Max that this happened. I feel worse for Liz than I do for Max. Mm -hmm. Because she has to deal with the emotional fallout. Yeah. Like, it's not just, oh, I didn't study and I got a bad grade, and but I can study and make up for it. You know, like, there are ways to fix, there are ways to fix things. But when it comes to the matters of the heart and, like, like relationships, the idea that she has irrevocably broken his trust. Yeah. Which is, she she loves him. Yep. We know this. And she really didn't want to do this except for the fact that it was so important that this happened. That, you know, she had. had I to, really don't want to, to do, do this. this but, but I have, I have to, to now. Um I don't know. I just think that it's got to be so tough on her to have that emotional fallout. To it's not just like a one and done thing because yeah. Max will not let it go. Yeah, he just keeps harping on it and harping on it and harping on it, and I just can't imagine it's not going to get less convoluted when you throw Kyle into it. You know, when everyone's back together again. Convoluted. <laughs> but I did okay. This this was probably a wish fulfillment that I wish would have happened, but I almost would have liked Max to have said to Liz, like, what did I do to, like, shove you into Kyle's arms to make you run to him? Because that's not what I ever would have wanted to do. Like, you must have felt pressure or you must have felt all of these things. And, and that's not the scene that we got, but that's what I wish. That's That's the direction I wish Max would have taken because, you know, that would have been less... You, this is all about me and how hurt I am, which is fair. I'm not saying it's not, but he's, he just comes at it from a really weird angle about like, why did you do this to me? Instead of like, well, what were you feeling about this? Liz? Listen, listen, <laughs> Kyle would have done I, it. <laughs> if I had known how many times these two were going to break up and get it's back together. It's not that many. It is. It's constant. I would have kept track of the reasonings each of them gave every time (laughs) they split up. And I feel like one of the reasons why he's so hurt is Liz was doing this behind his back and they didn't have a, it's too dangerous for us to stay together or I need some space after what you did, that she just did this thing. And they've always talked about, they've talked and talked about their feelings before now. Mm -hmm. And I think just the big shock to him is that this was happening behind his back and he had no idea. Like, he didn't even see it coming. I'm going to disagree with you on that one. Okay. Which is surprising to me because I'm such a, a Max fan. But if you'll remember in the previous episode, he keeps coming to her. Every time she tries talking to him, he just will not listen to her. He's like, it can go back to the way it was. It can be okay. We don't have to worry about Tess. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. And, and I... I understand why he's surprised, but I also don't understand why he's surprised because he was not giving her any space 
at all. He would just come to her and be like, can we be together yet? Can we be together yet? Can we be together yet? And she wasn't giving him any indication that she was considering rescinding her previous breaking up with this. Yeah. yeah. Sad boy. Tight I still t-shirt. feel, I mean, I do feel bad for him, but at the same time, this is a, a learning and a growing experience, Max, that, okay, pause it really fast. Because I, I feel bad that I'm saying, Max, you're handling this in a way that I don't like. When he is, he is, he should be able to handle it however he wants to. So when I say you should have done it this way, yeah. that's the way I wish she, someone would handle it if I were in that situation. I'm not saying Max is 100% wrong. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, because she hurt him. They did the thing that would hurt him the most on purpose. And this episode is him trying to process it. And I agree with you. I'm really glad that the fallout carried over into this episode instead of him just instantly shutting her out and not talking about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. We're just... We're just not Max fans this week. Not this week. Not this week. Uh, and then we have kind of what we talked about earlier where Isabel is making weird eye contact with... They dress the actor for this kid really well, too. Um, she's finally starting to talk to Nicholas. And at this point... Uh, we, the audience doesn't know that the whole family are aliens and they do a really good job in this section of indicating that the family is all human Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that clearly Congresswoman Whitaker was an adopted alien. Yes. Yes. Uh, but on a, a second go through of this episode, it reveals that he is also fishing for information from Isabel and he's trying to confirm that she is Belandra. Because she looks she looks very different in this lifetime than she did from the last time. So mm-hmm. there, there's no way to, to be able to tell. And this scene does the exact same thing again where their close singles, that where the shot where there's just one of them each in it, are again pushing in closer and closer and closer. And when he first walked into the room, I'm like, do you remember what I yelled when we were watching it? No. I said, Enough! She has too many love interests. <laughs> you can't add another one. Because it was this intense, significant eye contact slowly pushing in on each of their faces. And I was like, too close. It's too close. It's okay. too close. In a situation where that works is in Haunting of Hill House, where someone is telling a legit ghost story, but the camera is moving so slowly you can almost not tell that it's moving. But it's like this weird psychological trick where you're just like, you're getting pushed in, pushed in, and you're like, no, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear this story. But in this one, it cuts back and forth so fast that it's so jarring. And you have to like kind of retrain your brain as to where the character is because it, it zoomed in while it wasn't on that character. And so you have to like, oh, they're closer. Okay. And so it was a little jarring of just like, where are they? What are we talking about? So anyway, Tess interrupts. And Isabel's mean to Tess. And I'm like, did Liz, Liz needs to let everyone know that if we're mean to Tess, the future's bad. Mm-hmm. We all need to be nicer to Tess. But Tess has discovered that Congresswoman Whitaker is adopted and that the League is handling everything. The League is handling all the funeral arrangements. And she's like, the family hasn't even seen the body yet. And Isabel's like, well, that's convenient because there is no body. And how is this going to work? And all this stuff. And after the conversation with Isabel and Nicholas... We cut into the car with Courtney, Maria, and Michael. We get some really cool information. Like you said, this this season is giving us some really good... World building. World building. And so uh, we find out that the Skins came here 
1950. Courtney tells them, yeah, I've been here for 50 years. I've been looking for Michael for 50 years. Um, and to, and she like tells, she is the source of so much good information. She tells them, Hey, this body that I'm wearing is called a husk and it's good for 50 years. It, it protects us from the environment. We, um, you know, it's going to run out soon, which is why we're going to have a harvest sort of a thing. And I love that we're getting, we're getting a scene with just this trio because Maria is just like, so you're really like 65 or 70. I love that. You're like Michael's grandmother's age. I love that very much. Keep talking. And, and Courtney fires back with, yeah, I've been a mega babe for the last 50 years. What are you going to look like at age 65? Did you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's good that we end on this slightly comedic scene because now we're going to cut to the funeral. Yeah. And it is packed. It is jam-packed with people. There's press there. There's cameras. And the kids realize, like, this is a show. Um, that if if the uh, death of the congresswoman was all hushed up and, and it was, like, a really small funeral or whatever, that people would be asking questions. But because it's being handled like a normal funeral with a lot of pomp and circumstances... People aren't going to question if this was a real death or not. Um, but Nicholas shows up being all quiet and mysterious and doesn't say anything but talks to Isabel with his eyes and gets her to follow him into the creepy mannequin museum, you know, and just basically gets her to walk downstairs into, you know, you go from Western stagecoach funeral coach with a body inside of it and I think this is the reason why they had all the mannequins is because this next reveal with all the pods they all look like mannequins and so yeah. I'm like okay you were tying that all together that makes sense I was so surprised when everyone at the funeral was a husk because mm -hmm. like I mentioned before I thought the harvest would be like they would be harvesting people and even it's revealed the cameraman and the newscaster that's there are husks. Yeah, they're the only people there are skins. It's not like they're gonna have to cover this up. They get to fully like be creepy <laughs> and reveal who they are. Mm -hmm. Uh laughing again at the the mannequins in the scene of that's like it's like a mix of actors and mannequins. Listen, practical effects have come so far. Um, but you can see some of the human actors if you keep track in the background of the scenes. Some of the human actors in the square pods wiggle a little slightly as they're trying to hold still. Because uh, they're each in a glass box with a humidifier just blasting on them. What it's an filigree. Yeah, what an interesting acting day like, look at that the, would be. Look at the edges. Yeah. They're not, they look like cases for display mannequins. Mm -hmm. Now... I have a huge nitpick for this scene. I'm ready. And it's that Nicholas knocks Isabel unconscious. And we cut to commercial. Mm -hmm. And we come back. And she wakes back up. And then they have a whole long conversation. Mm -hmm. What did he knock her unconscious for? I think it was... Listen, I don't know. I agree with you that it was a weird choice. I think it was to maybe turn up the tension to be like, hey, he has powers. But yeah, I think they should have waited... Because she she wakes up, he's not there, she goes further and deeper into the room 
and opens the door and there's just hallways of all of these pod people. Yeah. And then he show Nicholas shows up again and is creepy and he says, hello, Valandra. Yeah. So how I would have shot that mm-hmm. is I would have had her exploring and have these, this first room of bodies really look like mannequins. Mm-hmm. And then she opens the second room and it's full of people. And then he steps out and says, hello, Valandra. It's been a long time. And cut to commercial off that shock. But it just felt like, oh, we have to commercial break here. Ready? Go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, back at the funeral, they're looking at the body of Congresswoman Whitaker. And I'm screaming at Liz, don't touch the body, don't touch it. And she reaches forward and presses on the hand so hard, she punctures a hole in Congresswoman Whitaker's fake body dead hand. Like it's plaster almost. Just like yeah. punches a hole right through it. And as they're looking around, they see people. I think he was peeling something off. Yeah, me too. And they, they cut. But um, they start, the so Tess, Max, and Liz start looking around and realize everyone is itching. Everyone is starting to pull skin off of them. And they realize a second too late, they are surrounded by skins. And they have to walk down the length of the entire hallway. The aisle. The aisle. And people are looking at them just like, I'm not you, Taco. You're yeah, you're a good boy. Like at one point, like they're walking, (laughs) the camera dude reaches behind his head and pulls off a huge swath of skin. Hey, you cut it out last time I tried to tell the story of the podcast, but can I tell everyone about No! It's disgusting! No, it's so gross. Peeling the skin. No, it's so gross. Let's just say I empathize. Uh, all right. This has been a wonderful, creepy episode, and I loved this reveal. Mm-hmm. But, you guys, the special effect fight at the funeral leaves a bit to be desired. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll break it down. Like, the leader of the skins, Mr. Greer, he knows who Max is, and he's been trying to kill Max for years and years and years. Max puts up his new shield, which is great. Mm-hmm. And we see a little piece of gold light where the skin's power is trying to break through. And they just stand there and they monologue on both sides of the screen. Mm-hmm. And then one by one, the other skins raise their hands. And this is, of course, intercutting with the conversation with Nicholas and Isabel, which we've talked about for a bitty bit. But um, Tess is finally like, let me lend my power to yours. And they... Basically, it's a standoff where not a lot is happening. Everybody's just holding their hands out, and we're like, we're going to let all the special effects do the work. Eventually, the wall falls. And then, and then, only then, does Tess use her powers to blast the doors open so they can escape. And Liz stands in the back and doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's supposed to be a tense scene, but it's... I think it was hard because they're like, well, we've got to show the powers. We've got to show that, like, the battle between the powers. But they're just literally standing there, holding their hands up, not doing anything. And Liz is standing there frozen. She doesn't try and open the doors or anything. There should have been more... I think there should have been a try-fail cycle here. Of, yeah, more elements to the fight. Mm-hmm, of Liz trying to open the door and realizing it's locked. Because the other aliens have used their powers to close... The skins use their yeah. power to close the door. And so it's kind of boring because we as an audience are yelling, do something, do something, when it's just people standing there being like, I have a power sort of a thing. And so it was a little, 
I say boring, disappointing, or whatever, because, yeah. Like, it's it's supposed to be tense, but it's not really. Yeah. And, and, like, it, like, helped that we were cutting between this fight to the scene with Isabel and Nicholas, and then the arrival of everybody else in the Jetta. Um, Isabel finally smacks Nicholas in the face with a pipe, but then she instantly drops the pipe and runs. Yeah. But he wants to know where the granolith is, and she's not going to tell him. She's just like Congresswoman Whitaker. Emily, what is the granolith? Well, it's a time machine. Is it like, okay, do you think it's a battery? Do you think it's a life source thing? Do you think it's, like... I would think it's, like, some sort of... Because here's the thing. We know there... Okay, this is me going off on a huge tangent, and if you need to reel me in, please reel me in. Um, we know that their spaceship was made of, like, a special metal that, like, can crumple and uncrumple, like, on its own. It can, you know, and so I'm wondering if they need components that cannot be found on Earth, and they're hoping that it's in the granolith. Okay, I like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, everybody keep a pin in the granolith. We will figure this out eventually. Um, fun fact we find out is that Incel Nicholas, uh, killed Michael's mm-hmm. old body. Which, again, is bringing up the question for me of, like, just because we're clones of these people, are we going to get memories of our old self? I don't know. Um, and so as he and Michael are having a bit of a face-off, Courtney saves the day. Mm-hmm. She smashes open the main important MacGuffin system. Control panels. Yeah, yeah. To destroy all of the husks. Which, when do you suppose Courtney left... The Valandra husks to become a Michael fan girl because why would they have an extra husk for her oh, if she wasn't her. part of their? Because they've been growing these husks for the last twenty years. They said fifty years. No, oh. they've been living here for fifty years. Got it. They've been growing new husks for the last for 20. twenty years. And I'm I'm interested what made her change her mind and switch political sides. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, once the all the pods are starting to blow up, it's affecting the aliens in the funeral home and they all drop to their knees in like intense pain allowing everyone to get out and run and we all meet up together at the same time with Michael bringing up the rear with like a body shaped shape wrapped in burlap which we're led to understand is Courtney's Courtney's husk. husk. Hilarious. What if he grabbed a different one? (laughs) And all of a sudden the actor for Nicholas is just the character of Courtney. Um, so the, the pacing and the editing for the back under this episode is a little weird. We've mentioned a little bit of that before, but the, the scenes with the husk, sorry, with the skins stepping into the ruins and gathering and surveying everything felt very long. And in Mm -hmm. other episodes where we've mentioned, it feels like there's too much story for one episode. Mm -hmm. It feels like this one maybe didn't have quite enough. Because there was a very, very long shot at the end with all of them staring into the barn where the the husks were kept. And the reason why the shot's so long is there's an upended carriage wheel that's turning. And the shot holds until the wheel stops. Which Mm -hmm. was like a creative choice that the the director wanted to make. But... But they realize immediately that the husks are... That's not a viable option anymore. Me being cranky as this long shot continues to be long. I actually started yelling, End the episode already! Stop it! It's over! But anyway, you were saying, just because the husks are gone. Yeah, they're like, well, we're as good as dead. And Nicholas says, yeah, we might be, but we're not done yet. And so 
he's standing there. Everyone's looking very like, like it's very, it's a very menacing shot of all of these people who now have a, I mean, they had a common enemy to fight against anyway, but now they have nothing more to lose. They have nothing more to lose and they, and they've run out of time. Like whatever they were going to do, they've run out of time. Unless the granolith can help them. Unless the granolith can help them. Bam. We did it. We did an episode in under an hour. <laughs> Y'all, we have not been able to do this for like on any of our podcasts. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to see what the next episode is. Hold on. And you pause. I cover my face. Give me a second. Okay. So, Megan. Yep. Next episode. Uh-huh. Season two, episode seven is called Wipeout. I say it that way because there's an exclamation We're going mark. surfing? <laughs> in Roswell, no. New Mexico. We're going skateboarding. Okay. Water skiing. Water skateboard skiing? Yeah. We're <laughs> doing sports. Okay. We're doing extreme sports. Okay. Or someone's losing all their memories. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Either of those <laughs> What if both of them happen? Um, well, Maria and Michael are back together. However, the continuation of Courtney puts a little bit of a question mark on all of that and I hope Kyle and Alex get to come back into the story because they're in the main credits but they're hardly ever in the show and it makes me sad sorry well we have that to look forward to so until then everyone I'm gonna get back to writing my book I'm gonna get back to writing notes I believe in you I believe in you too Ready, break. Thank you everyone so much for tuning in to My Sister Made Me View It, the 1999 Roswell edition. We are having so much fun bringing this to you every few weeks and, um, I'm just glad that Megan is finally on the bandwagon. She's here with me. She's just smiling at me. I had to pause my video game for this. Could oh my gosh. Okay, fine. <laughs> Let me hurry it up. <laughs> well, we do not have any more Our Flag Means Death because we finished it. Our final we episode went up this week. So we are taking the rest of August off for our miscellaneous feed, but we will pick back up in September with the book One to Watch by Kate Stamos, Stamen London, not Stamos. She's not related to John Stamos that I know of. Um, but you can join us on next Thursday, August the 18th, where we are going to post our next Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. So we're going to get into that. I have never read it. Meg is the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-believing. I'm your compass rose <laughs> guiding you through the book. So that's what we're going to do next Thursday. And then the Thursday after that, August the 25th, we are going to come back at you with our next Roswell episode. So we are excited to do that and to keep going. And we appreciate everyone tuning in so much. Thank you for all the ratings, the reviews you've left us. Um... It just helps us so much to know, like, who's listening where. And so, you know, Google Play, Apple iTunes, all that fun stuff. It's, you know, the necessary evil of podcasting, I guess. But thank you to everyone who has left us ratings and reviews. You are keeping us afloat, and we super appreciate you. 
Special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm. We use it on all of our podcasts because we love it so much. So thank you very much. I don't really have anything else to leave you guys with. Just hope that you have a great week. Hope that you beat the boss levels that you're playing on this week. And remember, we believe in you.